The Australian Football Video Film Festival podcast is proudly brought to you by LeagueTees.com.au, the retro footy fan gear that makes every week retro round. The League Tees footy shop is packed with footy tees, retro footy jumpers, hoodies, and all things retro footy. That's LeagueTees.com.au. Name the game series from Australian football video. Have you ever bought or rented a videotape that wasn't quite right? Folks, let me warn you. It's bruising, bloody and very much in your face. And we've pulled out stuff that would make a 16 stone wharfie cry. But a hundred minutes of top footy action. Welcome to the 90s, the decade that delivered. It was a 10-year period in football unlike any other this century. The electrifying 80s, the highs and lows of a dynamic decade of football. Over the next two hours, relive some of the most exciting moments in VFL football in the sensational city. The Peter Hudson story, Dublin's Jim, the story of Jimmy Steins, the road to victory, Collingwood's struggle to the Premiership and the year of the Rising Saints, St Kilda's fight to the 1991 finals. Welcome to the Australian Football Video Film Festival, I'm Dylan Leach. This week we profile the 1993 blockbuster hit, Ablett, One Special Season. In one special season, Gary Ablett redefined the way football's rich history will judge him. Having set standards rarely matched by other players since his career began, Ablett's 1993 season was quite extraordinary, even for a man prone to producing the extraordinary. In a rare interview with Sandy Roberts, we hear Ablett's humble views on the season and his place in the Geelong team. We follow Ablett's path through the season, but it is when we are invited to travel to Nauru with the champion Cat as he umpires the local grand final that we will see the impact of his career. Upon arrival at the tiny island, we find that the legend of Ablett has crossed the waters as he is treated to a civic reception usually reserved for royalty. My reviewer this week is Rudy Edsel. Since his rebirth as a footballer with Geelong in 1984, Gary Ablett had been the club's leading goal kicker five times, despite rarely getting the opportunity to play as the designated spearhead. He'd taken advantage of that massive kick of his to score from the wing or at half forward. Early in 1993, Malcolm Blythe, a man who had occupied similar roles in North Melbourne, offered him the chance down. If it wasn't for Gary Ablett Senior, my guest today may not have been a cat. As a kid growing up in outer suburban Melbourne, the weekly dose of Gary Ablett kicking a bag, taking a mark of the century, or just being a freak made him choose the blue and white hoops. He's now a regular podcaster and part of the digital team at Triple M Footy. Rudy Edsel joins me to review our film in focus this week. 
1993's Ablett One special season. Rudy, welcome to the Australian Football Video Film Festival. Oh, Dylan, I could not be happier to be here, expounding with love on my favourite subject, Gary Ablett. Who was Gary Ablett? And that goes to both of us. Rudy, who was Gary Ablett and why was it such a special season? Um, Who was Gary Ablett? I mean, your guess is as good as mine there. Uh, (laughs) And I'm not sure that the, uh, the, the video itself really sheds a huge amount of light on, uh, you know, <laughs> who he actually is. Um, but the season was special because um, Gaz himself was uh, at his unstoppable uh, Gary Ablettist in 1993. He'd, he'd made the move up forward under Malcolm Blight's watchful eye. Um, he'd sort of thought, hey, this bloke, can, um, this bloke can run and jump. Let's see how he goes in a forward line. Um and then he went on to, to kick 124.60 in just 17 games, no less. So they haven't made the final. Yeah. So in 17 games, he's kicked 124.60. He's brought up the, the ton in the second fewest games ever. Um, and I, looking at his stat line for the year, this, this is incredible. He's had 233 kicks for 184 scoring shots. So pretty much 80% of the time he's kicked the ball, he's scored. Jeez. Wow. So even better than that. Even it, better than that. Thirteen handballs for the season. Jeez. <laughs> oh, the man the man wasn't the man is an absolute freak. Um and I think that's you know, I think Sandy Roberts summed it up. The host of the video a few years prior. What more can you say when you talk about uh, Gary Ablett? But the thing is, the thing yeah. about this video is, it was released about December nineteen ninety three. So it's fair to say everyone in Geelong and the Ballerine and Surf Coast Peninsula region got this video for Christmas that year, but Ablett was not media friendly. So this was like a really no. rare opportunity to actually hear from him, for the man himself. Well, few AFL footballers can boast the on-field profile of Geelong superstar Gary Ablett. Yet away from the game, he values his privacy, preferring a low-key approach. But in an exclusive interview with Sandy Roberts, which will form the basis of a videotape, Ablett opened up on a variety of subjects. Last week I spent several hours chatting with Ablett about a number of topics, including his thoughts on the media. But I really think that they should have more respect for people's personal lives. Um, I feel they do you know, far too much prying in that area and I think it's just totally unnecessary. Not media friendly is probably an understatement. He, he um, famously uh, a man of very few words and I think that's part of what made him so alluring is it wasn't even that you wouldn't get much out of him in an interview sense. It's just no one knows what he ever was up to. What do you reckon Gary Ablett did on, you know, like outside of game day? No, <laughs> no one, one really no, knows. No one knows. Probably, and these are the days when players had jobs. Yeah. He probably went like pig shooting. Yeah. I feel like. I feel like he'd be a pig shooter, like that kind of yeah, operator. Yeah. Um, and like, so, I mean, you've got Dustin Martin these days who's a bit of a, you know, like no one really knows, no one really knows a whole heap about Dusty, but, you know, you have seen the photos of him, uh, you know, spraying champagne in uh, clubs and stuff like that. So you got a little bit more of an idea, but with Gaz, just complete enigma. And you, he must be, he must be interesting. Like mm. from the way he plays footy, it's impossible to think that he doesn't have like quite, you know, like a fascinating like thinking process. Just the way he, like, just the, 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 the things he can do on the footy field, the way he thinks things through, you, you know, he must be interesting. So everyone wants to know. They watch this video, and uh, I think it's fair to say they probably haven't learned much. What was your reaction? Oh, well, I, was, I was more than happy to go along with him. Uh, 
you know, I just said, you know, I'm willing to play wherever, you know, I'm, I can do my best for the team. One of the first things I've noticed in watching one special season, and, and it is in the sort of traditional kind of season review video that we used to always see, is that the first contest Ablett plays for the season is actually quite a fascinating one where uh, Geelong travels to Victoria Park because he missed the first round because he had an injured pre-season. Um, Geelong travels to Victoria Park, and it turns out to be like the last time you see Peter Dacos play a good game. So you've got Dacos on one end and Ablett on the other, and it's the end of an era. Um, and the game is – could you imagine this happening this year? Geelong actually lobbied for the game to be moved to the MCG, believe it or not. I don't know how that would be responded <laughs> these days. Um, but uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Ablett actually got suspended in his first game for the 93 season. Yeah, I mean, he did like the belt blokes, guys. <laughs> like, he really liked the belt blokes. And um, he deserved every one of those two weeks that he got in this game. He smacked the stuffing out of, uh, uh, I, haven't, I haven't watched the video Pert. for a couple of days. I can't remember who it was. Oh, uh, Gary Pert, yeah. Yep. He absolutely belted him. And um, you know, these days, he'd probably be looking at uh, probably double that. And then, there's, he remember he got um, the first game back, he belted another bloke. Um, I think it was John Gastev. Yep. Uh, reported again. And that then was the one at the Gabba. Tribunal. That was two weeks. Yeah, yeah, that was two weeks these days as well. And then I had that little interview with him. He was like, oh, I just thought it was a fair bump and that's how I play for you. <laughs> I was actually disappointed that I, just, that I got reported that day. Um, I'd just come back from two weeks suspension and uh, I really felt that, um, you know, I led hard for the ball and guessed who ran back over my, uh, my lead. And we made contact. I felt it was a fair bump. And so, you know, as I said, I was, I was a little bit disappointed that, um, that I was reported, but, uh, you know, uh, justice was done at the tribunal when I got off. So The tribunal came to their senses and said, no, no, Gary's right, it was a fair bump, let the kid play, play on, that's perfectly normal, uh, perfectly within the spirit of the game. It leads to probably his most famous game. Uh, of that season. And that, of course, was the one against Essendon the following week uh, with Salmon kicking, I think it was 10 on one end and Ablett kicking 14 in a losing side. That's right, yeah. So this is like not just one of his most famous games, but one of the most famous games um, pretty much ever, mm. to be honest. Um, but it's just, it perfectly sums up the Cats at the time, really. But they've kicked 14. He's kicked 14. The Cats have kicked 19. And they've gone down by four goals. Mm. But like, that's the, the thing that sort of gets misremembered about this is that Eston actually ran away with it. They've won by four goals in the end, despite conceding 132 points. And pretty much summed up where the Cats are at at that point. Back then, it was just it was the Gary Ablett show. So No one else was really at a proper look. Because it was Ablett kicking 10 was just the normal standard, stock standard thing that season. It turned out to be as it progressed. Um, there seemed to be all these games where Ablett would kick 10, 12, 13, and lose. Uh, and he, he would kick 95% of Geelong's score. It happened three times that season yeah. that, um, that that Gaz would kick 10 and they would lose. Three times. Mm. That's unheard of these days. If a player kicks 10 in any footy game these days, his team wins by a minimum of 20 goals. Mm. Yeah, easy. <laughs> it's, just, it's just outrageous to imagine that he could possibly, he could possibly do that. What I love, what I love uh, in the video uh, of one special season yep. is Ablett talking about his game against Essendon 
um, and describing he kicked that freakish banana style kick goal, and he just made it sound like he was just doing his bit. He's just helping out. You know, he doesn't even mention his Essendon opponent's name. Yep. It just happens to be James Hurd. And I think that yeah. that is the quintessential <laughs> Gary Ablett talking to the media kind of comment. My Essendon opponent's head to me in the, in the, in the, in the pocket and um, I was running the, the wrong, like I was I should have kicked it on my left, left boot, but I knew I was pretty hot from behind. I was about to get tackled, so I'd done a banana the wrong way and it went through the centre and I thought, oh, wow, it was... Uh, yeah, try and do that again. I thought. <laughs> yeah, I think if I remember correctly, the quote something like "the ball bounced over my opponent's head," um, and I started running, realised I was on the wrong side, so I'd done a banana. <laughs> <laughs> done and it just banana. went through, and he's like, "Just." And he's like, "Oh, and I, uh, you know, I thought, oh, yeah, let's try that again." That's about it. <laughs> it just, they also they have him like talking about one of his monster marks, and he's like, oh, "I prefer to." jump and try and catch it high if I can. It's better than a chest mark. <laughs> oh, no, it's, it, look, it's never easy. It's never easy to take, you know, a, a, you know, a chest mark when you're, you're bustling against, a, you know, especially blokes like Frawley and them because they're, they're big, strong blokes. But, uh, no, I just feel that, you know, to get up high and take a mark just has something that the chest marks don't. Mm. <laughs> Describing all of this freaky stuff that he does in like, the most calm, like almost dispassionate terms possible. He just make like, it. Yeah. Something tells me he just thinks that's how you should just play football, and it's that easy. Like I don't think he actually wanted to put on a bag of tricks. I, I quite enjoyed him talking later about uh, his, his values in footy, and he was talking about um, he's talking about oh his his kids like ah, oh, you know I, I'm going to drum into my kids. You don't really need to worry too much about winning, and if you play well and have fun, then that's really the main well, thing. Well, I would I would I would like to see them play football, but I really want them to. To, to pick their own sport and, uh, you know, I just want them to enjoy sport. And, you know, I don't want to bring any undue pressure upon them at all, really. Um, you know, my young fellows are you know, mad basketball players. And if they continue on that, in that track, you know, for the rest of their lives, then, you know, as long as they're enjoying it, I'm happy. And um, I'm pretty glad that not necessarily how Gary Everett Jr. went about his stuff after the, um, after the, the 2007 season, because I would have been pretty happy that he'd like to win. Yeah, that, that's right. I think he, I think he said something on. He just wants his kids to enjoy sport, and there's too much focus on winning these days. And I, I assume maybe Junior and Nathan took that in prior to about round five, two thousand seven. They probably had that attitude towards their football. Absolutely, that's right. It's just one of the things that stands out for me watching the video as well is you sort of forget um, Ablett's physique. I can't think of many players in any sport that look like him. Um, I've never forget Russ Jackson once saying that he's basically built like a bull, bull standing on its hind legs. Like he's like just all upper body and torso mm. and it's just a weird looking body. And I reckon that the player that's gotten closest to him in physical attributes since is like maybe Paul Chapman, that like sort of like tree trunkiness yeah, yeah. in the middle is just all cool. Um, and I've always kind of thought of Gaz as more like a transformer whose car state is a tank and he, you know, when he stands up on his hind legs, you can see just like a yeah. almost like a monster box in the middle, um, and it's just it's just such a rare like physical look for any player in any sport. Mm. You just don't see it these days, especially in footy when everyone's clean. 
Yeah. He, he wasn't, he, he was, but Ablett was a freak at everything. I mean, obviously it's not included in the video, but, you know, in the age of YouTube, you can obviously look at Gary Ablett uh, take on Lester Ellis in a charity boxing fight and win, um, or just yeah. absolutely, yeah. you know, dominate against some of the world's greatest cricketers in the Dean Jones testimonial. Like, Ablett just could Yeah, I was, up. I was watching that last night, actually, oh, winning <laughs> runs. <laughs> yeah. And a match of any sort at the MCG wouldn't be complete without some Gary Ablett magic. The Geelong star took two outstanding catches in the deep to dismiss Alan Border and Rodney Marsh. And Gary Ablett too was in serious form, hitting the winning runs for the Jones team, which eventually won the match by six wickets. Oh, it's a great experience, you know, to play with guys like this. It, you know, really, it's a great experience. So uh, yeah, I'm uh, very thrilled to be out there. Yeah, he took a couple of great catches on the boundary, a wicket, and then hit the winning runs. And, of, yeah. of course he bloody but, did. Like I said, he's just an enigma. I've got um, I've got a mate who was telling me last year that his dad played in the Ovens and Murray League in the eighties. Yeah. Um, and he said that they still talk about. So in the year between Hawthorne and Geelong, Gaz played a year for Myrtleford, I think. Yeah. And he said that they still talk in hushed tones around Aubrey of a goal he kicked in that grand final because he's taken a mark on the halftime siren. And um, everyone's like wandered off to go to their, you know, to go to half time and stuff. And then all of a sudden, people start carrying on and, and like honking their horns and stuff. And everyone's realised he's actually lined up a set shot and kicked it from about seventy metres out. <laughs> and no one was watching because they're all they're all on their way to half time. But apparently, they still still like, oh, geez, have you seen the spot out? That's where that's where he kicked it from. That's where Gaz did that goal. Oh, there'd, have to, <laughs> there'd have to be a plaque out at Myrtleford for that. I'm 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 sure there oh, would be. Think so. On a personal level, Rudy, I how was, old would you have been in uh, when Ablett was having that special season? I was seven. I turned eight in November of 1993. Okay. So it's like these are like my sort of early formative memories. So my first uh, my first memory I can 100% place is Hall Formative in the 91 Grand Final. Yep. That's the one I can sort of like absolutely definitely place. Like I've got some like memories of other stuff, but I don't know if I remember them because I remember them or I remember them because I've seen them yep. on, you know, like the electrifying 80s or the 90s decades of Blizzard. Of course. Um, but yeah, 91 was the first thing I remember. And then, so yeah, I was at the exact perfect age for this. It would have been, I only, so I actually, I grew up, um, my dad's an Essendon fan and so is my younger brother. Um, okay. But I wasn't that into Essendon. My dad was like, my dad was pretty keen for me to be an Essendon fan, but not that keen. Like it didn't really matter to him. Sure. Um, and so I would watch Gaz play like on those, as you know, those the Saturday evening shows when they would, you know, that you'd have, was it Drew Morfitt normally? Yeah, the, there would have the been, a, there would the been a, a replay Going show and because Ablett was such a freak. that had Because, they, they, of course, they didn't do every single match uh, yeah, back but, then, but, but they, they always did Geelong. Now they could in your park in the, because park Ablett, the third quarter. Yeah, but, yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. it just basically be the Ablett highlights. So is that what basically got you into following the Cats? Is that Was it was it 93, 92 you decided Geelong would be your team? Yeah, it was around then. It might have been 91. It was like 91 or 92. I remember... Um, one of the guys at school told me he wouldn't be friends with me if I wasn't a Geelong fan. <laughs> um, and I'd already decided I liked him because of Gaz. So it was, you know, it was a pretty easy decision to make at that point. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I was about seven. So this is all sort of like really formative stuff for me that I can remember watching, you know. Um, and you would like, you know, like my mum was a, was a pretty big footy fan. Um, and so she would, she would be excited for the Geelong games on the Sundays because it was a chance to watch a bit of live Gary. Like, yeah. um, 
she's a Richmond fan, so she's seen the best of him as well. Um, but then, <laughs> yeah, so it was. These are the kind of games. That, these are the kind of games that the bread and butter of a seven-year-old Rudy Estill. Um, Sydney, the Sydney game on a Sunday, Arvo. Yeah, um, with with Gaz playing, yes, yes, yeah. please, absolutely. You just get a, a free freak show, and then because, and it's been mentioned, our friends at the greatest season that was ninety three podcast. The actual season itself uh, was twenty games because of the state of origin carnival, um, which uh, Gary actually partook in. So you know, they they say he he was always up for a game. He may not have been up for training, but he did like Origin and. Uh, he spoke very fondly of Ted Whitten. You can put up with the antics of Ted Whitten, can you? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, Ted's a <laughs> bit of a character, but uh, no, well, he loves, he loves, it, he loves he? his football mm. and he especially loves his state football. And yeah. Um, yeah, good on him. It went from one week having Ablett and Salmon down the other end to them being up forward against New South Wales. It's pretty cool to watch, wasn't it? Like Those highlights are all uh, Greg Williams just uh, finding Gaz on a lead and then he kicks a goal. Yeah. Or even- really cool when you see even Matthew Knight's kicking to Gary Ablett. It's like, oh, well, it's colliding. Yeah. Yeah, and it was, like you said, Paul Salmon was there, and um, it was just it was so much just so much fun to watch. And you sort of forget, like, you watch the, you know, like they do the concepts now, and it's, you just, you'll never be able to recreate just how much fun that was and how much it actually meant to, to guys like, um, you know, like obviously Ted Whitten. But, like, um, Tony McGuinness was playing in one of, the, in one mm. of those South Australia games. You know, like, you think he wouldn't have bled for the South Australia shirt? The season progresses. The the Ablett video sort of goes in the early part, um, talking about how Geelong can't keep a lead and how Ablett just kicks most of the score. And then it all comes to a head after uh, a loss to St Kilda by 71 points at Waverley with Gordon Fode, not Plugger, uh, Gordon Fode kicking five goals. And uh, some honest truths happen at Geelong. And uh, Gary really spoke yeah. eloquently of what happened in the room. When we got to a point where we realised it was going to be tough for us to make the six, um, a lot of the players did have a talk. Um, and we come to a time where we sat down with the coach, um, the, the, some of the senior players, and uh, mainly the older guys, and we just had it out then and there. And um, uh, Malcolm was, you know, uh, very good about it. He, he listened and uh, he admitted some of his what he felt was his own mistakes, and uh, we changed our tactics. What did you, the senior players, <coughs> think was wrong? Well, I think the main thing that came out of it was most of the senior players felt that we weren't playing our style of game, that we were being too defensive. And um, as I said before, that was you know just... Um, I think that was a bit hard for some players to adapt to. So the Cats on, have sorry. their heart-to-heart, and they have their honesty session... And they've got five games remaining at the 20-game 1993 season. And this is this is where Ablett one special season really peaks. Um, and the, the, the teams they're playing are all in the top six, as it was at the time, and all above them at the ladder. And all starts with a game against, um, I think it starts against, was it Collingwood? He, he, he needs, he's, but he's also yeah. close to his first Waverley century. Yes, yeah, so Collingwood at Waverley, and he's close to his first century. He is, that's correct. So he kicked... He needed, I think, is that 93 on the lead into that? He's kicked five against Collingwood. Uh, the Cats have gotten over the line by, I think, about uh, it's about a kick, eight points or something like that. Um, and then he's gone from, he's, like I said, he's kicked five and the Cats are back on the winning list against a pretty decent Collingwood setup. Hadn't been that long since they'd um, last won a flag. 
Um, so I think he needed just the two the next week. Um, and they were playing North, mm. who were top of the table at that point, as it stood. Um, and he's come out of it with 108 goals. So he's just kicked the lazy 10 uh, on a, a, a pretty decent North Melbourne outfit. But he would have been playing probably on... I mean, Glenn Archer was playing for him that day, for example. So they're not a bad bloody side. Indeed. And, and uh, yeah, like I said, he's, who did he six? He's 10. 10 well, six. One thing I noticed, um, because that North Melbourne game was the first time Gaza had kicked the ton um, in his career... And, of course, the fans run onto the ground. But it's actually not that many fans that bothered to run on. Um, it's actually quite yeah, yeah, casual. They, yeah, they tried to – they went to, like, sort of line, you know, line line him and stuff, like get around him to try and keep all the, this anticipated horde of fans away. And it was, it was maybe, like, 25 guys. Yeah, it was just really <laughs> <And> civil. <laughs> it wasn't – it was very civil. It was probably the most civil century um, I've ever seen. It was also the only game they won at the G that year. Really? They had a few games at um, the G that year? Oh, and, but Adelaide only, yeah, playing there. It. it was actually only four. They only played, um, they only played four there that year. They oh, lost okay. three and won one. It's just Gary Ablett had a day out at every time he, he seemed to, to play there. I think he's too far out to score. Ablett's on the edge of the goal square. He needs one more for the century. Stoneham honours the lead to the pocket. Oh, Ablett no, 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 Ablett. He's got it. No. It's a mark. This for the second fastest century in VFL, AFL history. And there it is. Only Bob Pratt got there quicker, and that was one game quicker. Gary Ablett gets his century in his 14th game for the season. And despite the protestations of officials, he has been besieged by people here at his favourite stage, the MCG. kicks that 100th, and then... They following week they play Hawthorne, who are also top of the ladder. Also top of the ladder. This is probably my favourite game of the year. Right? Okay. Hawthorne getting done by Geelong at Cadinia Park by eighty-two points. It's just something you'd never see these days. It's a real <laughs> relic. Something we. It's something we as Geelong fans must cherish. The, so, ni- <laughs> the nineteen ninety-three win. So this is sort there. of bizarro um, Geelong because. Eight. This this is sort of bizarro, Geelong, because I'm seeing Geelong lobby for a game to be moved to the MCG, and they beat Hawthorne at Cadinia Park. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely, it's great. Was, uh, something that stuck out to me watching this was just how iconic that Belmont Timber sign is behind one of the Cadinia Park goals as well. Oh, Belmont Timber, is that down the was that down they the uh, have... Hickey Stand end? Oh uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's uh, behind one of the goals, and um, mm. they just they must have gotten so much bang for their buck. Mm. Belmont Timbers. Yeah, no, they've, they've done real well there. A real good investment in advertising exposure. Belmont Timber, you know, Gary Ablett kicking 14 goals down the one end. and um, Yeah. yeah. I was, this was my um, – the, the jerseys they wore this year were the, the first ones that I ever had as well. I had a number five on the back. Yep. And the, um, the AFL – that AFL logo, the blue, red, and white one. Yep. I had that uh, like ironed on, the patch ironed on, and then the Ford logo. The good thing about Geelong jerseys is that they look, most of them pretty much look all the same because it's just the Ford logo. Yeah. You, know, the, you can only really date them by, by the, um, the AFL or VFL logo. Yeah, it, it's it just, yeah, that's, that's a good point. There's, um, I've been to the new, uh, what's it called? What's it called this week? GMHBA Stadium. And there's the Hoops Bar yeah. uh, under one of the grandstands, which has the history of the Geelong jumper. And it's just the same thing every year, bar a couple of changes. It's not really a, it's not really, a, you know, that, it's very much Malibu Stacey with a new hat, the Geelong jumper. 
that's right. Well, it's, I mean, you know, but it's it's kind of cool, I think. I think the Ford have been a sponsor for like 90 or 100 years or I something. See, I think so. So it's kind of cool to, for that to be, uh, to be our thing rather than like, um, Manchester United like releasing like a slightly new, it's like, oh, they've got a new collar Ooh, on their jersey this stock year. Stock up. You know? Stock up. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then speaking of strange fixture egg situations you wouldn't see the, uh, at all these days, uh, this was the last time Essendon actually played at Cadinia Park at the eventual premiers uh, in round 21 of that season where uh, a young Dustin Fletcher and Derek Kickett tried to tag team uh, Ablett, but they did a pretty good job on him. Yeah, well, I, um, it was this was yeah super bizarre watching this, um, just watching Essendon down there. So strange, like we we play them, we're more likely to play them in like Colac now than <laughs> than Geelong. Um, and then yeah, it was also it's just so funny because it's a turnaround from the like a massive turnaround from the the last um, time they'd played them earlier in the season. It's just such a what if season. Even just watching this back, you're just going, how does like how does Geelong, you know, like how's Geelong thrown away a final spot here? They're just so much better than these teams. Like watching this, watching this on replay, and then of I just don't understand how they lost to them for the first time around. And then of course there's that final game at the Wacker on the Friday night. Um, for some reason, I've noticed on the film it starts with some really weird U2 cutout figurehead mascots at the Wacker uh, walking down the boundary line. Yeah, what was that about? i got no idea. I figure that out. Match day experience, fan engagement, 1993 style. Uh, Malcolm Blight is coaching from a kitchen, from a, from a trestle table on the corner of the Wacker because <laughs> uh, he's afraid of heights. That's what he says. Um, and it turns out to be one of the... <laughs> <laughs> a, I think we have to call it the the WACA ground, uh, as, the, as uh, Dennis as Dennis would the have thought. Uh, Dennis committee, yeah, WACA yeah. ground. Um, I don't does does he call in this? I'd forgotten, forgotten they played here up until two thousand. Yeah, they did because um, it used to be uh, the day games were at Subi and the night games would be at the Wacker because that was the one with the towers. It's just incredible to think now that they were playing there that late. Yeah, it's just so strange. It's so so strange. There's a lot of fixture quotes. Um, uh, I did. I think this was iconic. This one. This. Yeah, this this one is one of the more iconic games of the season for me. It's not just uh, like bloody on the tables. Obviously, brilliant. Um, you've got Besto running absolute riot. You've got Gaz like can't really, that bit of vision of Gaz cannoning into the post as he kicks a goal. Um, you got the the classic blokes jump in the fence to give the the signal the goals of the goal up. But the best thing about it is the constant cutbacks to the Geelong Social Club at Indian Park. Now that would have been that would have <laughs> been a wild night it. at the Geelong Social Club in uh, ninety. That that Friday night that would have just been going off at the uh, what is it the, the Cats Pokies or whatever it is they had at Kidinia Park back then. I think it's probably just called. The Cats Club or something like yeah. that. But yeah, it was would have been it would have been absolutely lit there. It would have been the best <laughs> night out in Geelong. Uh, and then the Cats the Cats are nine points down at three quarter time, and they eventually go on to beat West Coast, who have obviously were their nemesis given that the tragic losses yeah. they've had um, leading up to it. Yeah. Then, then and, and to come and to <laughs> and then they've got mm. to wait the weekend. And I'm yeah, sure. I did, I did what enjoy. are your recollections of of that sort of weekend as a Cats fan, knowing well, what was at stake? Firstly, I loved. Um, firstly, I loved the, the chat with Gaz about this game, where um, Sandy was like, "Oh, well, what did you what did you make of it?" And he's like, "Oh, yeah, it was a great thrill for all the boys to have a win and, and Blighty." 
<laughs> obviously. And then, oh, yeah, we had the wait. It's no. just great. It was a great thrill for all the guys and, and Malcolm as well. Um, and, you know, I, I guess it was, just, it was just great to finish the season on a positive note, you know, that we knew even if we don't get in the six now, at least we've, uh, we've started something that we can build on next year. So Well, then great. you had to wait, didn't you? I mean, what was it like? What did you do? Did you listen to the radio? Did you yeah. listen to the television? What well, did you do? I listened to the wireless and uh, listened to the game. And when, I, when Collingwood got 33 points up, I thought, well, we're in with a show. But um, they didn't last long, so <laughs> uh, that was the way it went. In those last five rounds since the fateful meeting, Geelong had beaten five clubs above it on the ladder and were clearly the form team. But that's not the way things work. Actually, yeah, this is one of my clearer memories of the season was because um, I think so we needed Collingwood to beat Adelaide because Adelaide was in the top six and Collingwood, I don't think, could make it, um, even if they won. But we needed Collingwood to beat Adelaide at what was then football park. Um, and it was actually, it was another one I pretty sure was on television back into, mm. into Melbourne. Um, and I remember going to my auntie and uncle's place on that weekend. Might have even been school holidays. No, it couldn't have been, not yet. Um, but I remember going around to my auntie and uncle's place that week, And I remember just becoming like a full-blown Joffa-esque Collingwood <laughs> nuffy. Like just riding them as hard as I possibly could, and I think at one stage they were something like forty points up, Collingwood. Um, but then, yeah, not to be obviously, and um, Adelaide were extraordinarily difficult to beat in um, in Adelaide at that at that point in time, and um, yeah, wasn't wasn't to be as as Gaz said on, um, on the video, which may have been his most insightful comment when he said, "I think there are six goal better side in Adelaide." Mm. Adelaide. So, um, yeah, just wasn't to be. And it's just like, it couldn't have been more Geelongish. Like, it couldn't have been a more Geelongish way to, to not make finals. Because we're talking really, about. Like, to the... have come good and then to need someone else to come to the party and then for them not to. And yeah, just couldn't have possibly been more ni- mid 90s cats, and early 90s cats. We're, we're talking about the one and only season that had 20 games. Uh, had yep. the season been 22 rounds, as per how the fixture was uh, written back then, Geelong would have played Richmond and Sydney, both, uh, I think, 14th and 15th on the ladder, respectively. Um, yeah. Which would have got... And then Gaz the might next, have kicked 150. <laughs> Gaz would have got his 150th against <laughs> Richmond. Yeah. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Um, and it was, a, it was the final year of the top six, because next year it, went, it goes to a top eight. So that's right. Yeah. So are, are they you, the greatest team? To, do? Are they the greatest team to never make the finals? Um, I, I mean, they have to be. They have to be up there, don't they? Yeah. They were just so. Um, they were just so, so much fun to watch when they were up and about, and just had. They actually had like guns on pretty much every line. It's not just Gaz. Forget how good Bill Brownless was, and and Bearstow and Stoneham. They had Paul Couch. Um, John Barnes in the ruck, Darcy. Mm. They were a very, very good side. They just didn't know how to play, um, really. And I think they also enjoyed a little bit too much of the night
Australian football video presents the best Aussie rules action on video to collect and relive time and time again. The Player Profile Series. Lockett, Dacos, Shaw, Danaher, Hawkins. Each video traces the career of one of these great players, including their career highlights and exclusive interviews. The back-to-back Premiership Packs. Superbly presented twin cassettes packed with dual Premiership action. Richmond in 73 and 74. Carlton in 81 and 82. Essendon in 84 and 85. And Hawthorne in 88 and 89. Plus the Hawthorne Night and Day 1991 Premiership Pack. In sensational 70s and magic moments, remember the characters, drama and humour of past seasons. And there are the stories behind the legends. The Peter Hudson story. Dublin's Jim, the story of Jimmy Steins. The Road to Victory. Collingwood struggle to the Premiership and the year of the Rising Saints. St Kilda's fight to the 1991 finals. The Australian football video range. A must for every Aussie Rules fan. Let's take some time out for this message from our sponsor, League Tees. Have you heard of League Tees, Rudy? Um, I have, but please uh, enlighten me further. Okay. I've, so, I've, I've a bit of a knowledge about them, but I'd love to know more. Oh, well, mate. League Tees is retro footy tees for the real footy fan. Now, their retro footy fan gear makes every week retro round. How good is this? The League Tees footy shop is packed with footy tees, footy jumpers, hoodies, badges, and all things retro footy. Now, we think... Footy is at its best when it's a bit rough around the edges. You'd have to agree with that. Oh, I mean, Gary Ablett. Yep. <laughs> yep. No, fair enough. That's why their footy fan gear is all about the game we grew up with back when footy was for the footy fan. The good old, the, the, that's when it was about the fans, not the corporates. Um, but, of course, this is an ad, so, you know, go figure. Uh, <laughs> stock up with the best of retro footy fashion with leaguetees.com.au. gone on this journey with the great man but the ending i believe is the best part of of the film that we are reviewing here today at the australian football video film festival ablett somehow ends up in nauru so i've seen this video but it's been long enough since i last saw it that this was like news to me um he went to nauru got like a hero's welcome and then umpired a game there between two Nauru, Nauruian teams. Mm. And the, the, they've got vision of it. And, I mean, even for 1993, the um, the production values aren't great. And they have... It, it involves the flattest commentator I've ever heard. Nobody to mark. Brassel can't get his kick in. Now with Saya, it's on the ground. Pushing in the back. So it's a free kick to Saya from Hansa. Number 20. Harry Ablett wants him to play the mark. Shane, Shane kicks it. Short kick to number three, Trent. A very good mark under pressure. And it was a late tackle as well, so that'll be marched 50 metres up the field. How flat is that boy commentating it? And then it just seems to devolve into, like, what, like all of the guys are, like, overweight, to say the least. And then I don't know how much the, uh, like, a highlights are in chronological order. But the way it's edited, it at least appears to make it seem like it devolves from a footy game into just like random acts of violence. <laughs> yeah, and I, I don't know if that speaks to um, the, the fact that the blokes were stuffed, 
um, how little they actually knew about footy on Nauru in 1993 or Gaz's umpiring <laughs> that he's lost control of the game. But it's just complete chaos. And it, it's and it's so funny. There's just like king hits and like blokes are getting kicked and stuff and the, and the, the, <laughs> the commentators there just like, well, that's a very big hit from uh, the Ender team or whatever they're called, the Tigers. And <laughs> the most surreal three minutes of vision I've ever seen. And then it's all soundtracks to some, like, vaguely racist music. Vaguely racist music, you say? Are we talking about some of the uh, royalty-free production quality music that uh, yeah. were, were these productions were known for utilising? Yeah. I, I just find it... Yeah. Nauru and football is fascinating because... Firstly, how on earth did they come across thinking, well, let's get Gary Ablett to come visit for our grand final and he could be the umpire, whoever comes up with that is genius. But then I think it's something like a year later, the Nauru government actually gives Fitzroy a loan so they can survive in the AFL. It's incredible, isn't it? And it's, I mean, we have obviously have a long and storied history with Nauru um, going up even to today. Um but I still can't quite figure out that connection. And I actually read recently that um, the per capita, there's more footy fans on, like per capita footy is more popular in Nauru than Australia. Um, wow. It's just that their population is like, a, you know, very, very little. Um, but it's just, <laughs> it's just quite remarkable to me that they're, I just don't, I can't, I've got nowhere in my mind to put this footage, you know, like I've got nowhere to like, it's just, it's too much to take in. I want to know more. It really, how much, like, how did that happen? How much did they pay him? They must have paid him. Like, is he getting oh, he paid directly done that by the The Nauru yeah, taxpayer sure. would have forked out big time to get Gary Ablett there. Yeah. I mean, the only people yeah, I know absolutely. that have been allowed in Nauru of recent have been Gary Ablett Sr. and Chris Kenny. So make whatever connection with that <laughs> yeah. you will. Uh, I was going to say, what do you reckon? How do you reckon, has Ricky Nixon teed that up, do you reckon? Because he was oh, obviously, like famously gay. He was famously Gaz's agent. Yes. Was that by that point? And it, oh. it's a Ricky Nixon sort of thing to do, isn't it? Like, yeah. He calls Gaz on the on the Gaz's bat phone and goes, "Yeah, Gaz, I know you don't like doing media. I know you don't want to be at schools, but I've got this great opportunity with the now ruined government." <laughs> and then Gaz is like, "Oh, okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> Get me on a plane." <laughs> and then. I'm just, I'm just still trying to work out. So everyone in Nauru is at the Nauru and Footy League Grand Final. Ablett's umpiring. Yeah. They think, you know what? Maybe, maybe we should have an AFL team. Fitzroy's struggling. Why don't we get involved with them? Let's, let's, let's see if we can get the Roys, <laughs> the, the Nauru and Roys. Very little about it makes sense. And that. If you look into it more, the Nauruan government were the ones that actually appointed the administrator that shut down Fitzroy. So, make that. <laughs> wasn't, yeah, I guess a long and storied footy history. There you go. Like the 90s footy is innately intertwined. It is. It is. It's just, <laughs> it's just so strange. But so we go from, as I say, that's one of the, the weirdest endings of a, of a video I've ever watched where it goes to what is a pretty stock standard sports highlights video, but because it's the only sort of dose of Gary Ablett you get, it turns out to be like a video any footy fan is every footy fan yeah. ever has watched of that time. To all and, of a sudden he's now umpiring well. in Nauru. Yeah, and um, we can't we can't let um, Sandy Roberts' heroic efforts go unmentioned here. Oh no, Sandy is he, the star. He, he is the star. He's gone 
absolutely hammer and tongs trying to just pull anything out of Gaz, anything. And I think the best we get is when he says his favourite player as a kid was Lee Matthews. This day at Waverley Park, his childhood hero was sitting in the coach's box, waiting for Ablett to destroy his team. So I had, uh, my hero was Lee Matthews when I was a kid. Um, I used to go along, Jeff played with Hawthorne and I used to go along with mum and dad as a kid and, and watch uh, the Hawthorne games and uh, the little nuggety number three stood out to me. And uh, you know, I was just amazed at how hard he could hit packs and, and come out the other side with the ball and, and uh, you know, spin out of packs and kick incredible goals that he stood out to me. So did he inspire you? Was he the sort of player you thought, did you think, if I'm going to be a decent player, that's who I'd like to be like. Yeah, I suppose I did model myself in some ways from him. I, I can still remember as a kid in our, in our football games in the street that I always wanted to be Lee Matthews. So, um, yeah, I guess he did have an influence on me as a, as a young boy. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, he, he, just, he was a great player. You played against him? Yes, I played with him too at Hawthorne. Um, I remember my first uh, game for Hawthorne. Um, that's probably what, you know... Uh, you know, amazes me so much looking back that as a boy I, I looked up so much to this to this man, and all of a sudden I was running out with him, and I was shaking my head, saying, "Is this, you know, is this really going on? Um, is this for real?" But um, it wasn't. Were I you in it, a day? Do you feel like you're in a daze? Oh, not really a daze, but I guess it, it took some uh, it took some time for me to to uh, to really believe that you know that I was uh, good enough to play league football alongside that man, and uh, so it just took time. And that was about as much of the inner Gary Ablett as we really got. And that's of absolutely no fault for Sandy Roberts. Who no. was, Sandy, who, Sandy yeah, he was... Worked, he, worked like, he worked like Peter Siddle at the Adelaide Oval in 2012. Sandy, like he hit the deck so hard, yeah, he just Sandy, couldn't get anything out of it. Sandy had a lot of dot balls in his over, a lot of maiden overs. Uh, <laughs> from, that's right. From Sandy, Gaz, was but, not, Gaz was not playing at anything, anything outside off stump, just uh, straight I, through to the keeper. And there's no doubt, I think, from what I've read, I've got. I'll, I'll bring this up later on. There's a bit where I think Sandy was one of the few people in the media Gary trusted because Sandy was a bit of a country boy himself, had a farm and everything. And you know, Sandy's not not wasn't known. Well, I mean, he's an absolute legend, Sandy, but he wasn't known for hard hitting interviews or exposes or anything like no. that. He was just you know a pretty stock of the mill. He wasn't Mike Sheen. No, he wasn't. Yeah, mm. no, Gary wasn't going to do it with Mike Sheen or Caroline Wilson or even Eddie at the time. I don't think he would have done an interview with Eddie. Um, no, back then. So Sandy was a, was a more trustworthy person. But you are right. You just in the way of Sandy's questioning, he just like I think some he sort of had to go seven thirty report style trying to get something out of a politician, um, but in a, in a more friendly way. It's like, no, I'm on your side here, Gary. Like he's sort of giving him yeah. the answers. Yeah, he is, yeah. And, yeah, he tried, like I said. But I think the most interesting thing Gaz brought to the table was his, um, his 49ers cap. It looks a bit... Um, I reckon you'd see that around Brunswick these days, uh, the snapback. That's it. He, pretty good look. He wouldn't take his 49ers cap off at all. And he was a, no. he, he was well, a fashion mate, icon, Gaz. He was, yeah. He probably should have made a call on his hair by that point, though. Yeah. Like, that's something that Gaz Jr. is definitely... Like, you know, you can debate who's the better player. Gary Ablett Jr. sniffed the wind a lot better on his, on his hair situation. So oh, he'd absolutely. saved in 08. So it'd have been about 24. <laughs> so, yeah, he's, like, so he, like... he, he, he's like, I'm not having highlights reels no. in 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> guys watching me <laughs> looking like buddy Mr. Byrne. I, I must not the video Ablett won special season is probably arguably one of the most iconic football videos of all time. Um, 
I think anyone who likes football from that era has watched it. It's probably in every video collection in the Geelong region. But like all classic films, there were script problems from day one. Um, And (laughs) I've been given a copy of uh, Gary Linnell's book he wrote about Gary Sr. in 2003 called Playing God, The Rise and Fall of Gary Ablett. And I won't get into the nitty-gritty bit, but there is a bit on Ablett one special season and the production process involved. And uh, I'd love to share it with you, with you, if you don't mind, if I, if I do a bit of reading for you. We'll go from please, here. Please, I can't wait. Sandy Roberts, a Channel 7 commentator who would conduct the interview and a film crew arrived at Cadinia Park to record a rare interview with Ablett. Right from the start, there were problems. Gary didn't want to talk about his opponents during <laughs> the year. He didn't want to talk about the game's other great full forwards either men like Jason Dunstall and Tony Lockett and Tony Modra. Coaches were out too. So was his personal life. He's got plenty to work with here, Sandy. This is why Sandy may have been struggling. He was very difficult, a diplomatic Roberts would say years later. (laughs) 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 Oh... Okay, it goes on, but this is this is this is one of the great bits. After two days' work, Phillips believes so. This is Stephen Phillips. He's the producer of all these Australian football videos. The late Stephen Phillips. Phillips believed yep. he had only a few minutes of usable footage. It was safe, boring stuff. Gary talking about how Malcolm Blight had been during his conversation to become a full-time full forward. How it disappointed him when the press concentrated on him instead of the team and how important it was to keep your feet out on the ground. Sorry, but that wouldn't matter. The great man had decided to speak, and that was more than enough. At least the hard work was over. A studio was booked in South Melbourne for the lengthy editing that would be required. Dean Scheel, regarded as the best football video editor in the country, was brought in to bring the production together. The studio was booked at night because of the cheaper rates. Each night, Shield found Ablett sitting next to him. So Ablett, uh, just imagine that. It's a late night in a South Melbourne editing suite. You've got Dean Shield and Gary Ablett just going over some vision together. Just just, just paint the picture there. I can, I can picture this, yeah. Shield says, it was a bit of a nightmare. <laughs> editing videotape was still a laborious process, a time-consuming job of dubbing one tape onto another. Gary kept wanting to make changes. He'd take a copy home with him and be back the next night wanting scenes to be cut and others inserted. They would be sitting there at four in the morning and Ablett would suddenly want Shield to cut an entire segment. Still, Gary seemed very happy with the finished project. Oh. Ablett left early on that final night, leaving Shield to tidy up and put the finishing touches to the video. Originally, there had been no plans to include final credits, but the experience for Shield and for everyone else had been well memorable. And that was how, at the end of the 70-minute feature of the best-selling football video, special credit was given to Gary B. DeMille. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. Uh, well, I love the thought of Gary Ablett micromanaging his own, like, like hagiography, essentially. 
Yeah. Like, Gaz, we're pretty much, we're just going to put together your goals and that's it. Like, no, no, I want final say. <laughs> so brutal. Could, oh, God, you, I couldn't imagine that. Like, oh. Do you think, Rudy, that they should release the director's cut of Ablett One special season? I think they must. I think we, we should start the, um, start the campaign here. Yeah. Hashtag release the cut. Release the cut. <laughs> It's it's been twenty yep. what has it, it been? Done. It's been twenty six years. Twenty six years. Twenty seven. Yeah. Twenty seven. Twenty six. Been over two decades. Yeah, come on, guys. We, 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 right. It's time to get Dean Shield. Uh, <laughs> Dean, if you're listening, uh, if you've still got the tapes, uh, we we, we want to hear what Gary actually had to say. But I think <laughs> the thing is, like uh, the reviews were, he was difficult. He's doesn't. He's not really a good uh, job reference here. He was one of the more. He was very difficult and uh, the experience had been memorable and that it was a nightmare to make. So there you go. That's the behind the scenes of <laughs> one special memorable. season. Memorable such a good backhander. Rudy Edsall there. Now, the YouTube link to Ablett One Special Season is in the description of this podcast. So if you do want to take a look at the best of Gary Ablett and his amazing insights, plus his trip to Nauru, it's available there for you now. Now, one thing I forgot to add uh, from Gary Linnell's book about Gary Ablett is that he actually lost his check for $100,000 uh, to make this video, which turned out to be one of the biggest blockbuster sensations uh, of football videos ever produced. Um, but uh, luckily enough, he lost the check behind a cupboard at home. Uh, the bank wouldn't honour it because it had dated, so they had to rewrite his check for $100,000. Just, just, That's just how Gary Ablett rolled. This has been the first edition of the Australian Football Video Film Festival. I'm Dylan Leach. Uh, Leave us a review. uh, Subscribe. uh, Like us on social media at AFV Film Film Festival, all one word, and that's on Facebook and Twitter. Uh, Leave us a review, preferably a nice one. Tell your mates that we exist. And uh, next week, well, I'm very excited about next week. Uh, We've invited journalist, MC extraordinaire, Megan Hustwaite, and we'll be giving a comprehensive review and discussion on the 2001 controversial epic that is Biff's Bumps and Brawlers, Volume 1. This has been the Australian Football Video Film Festival. A big thanks to my producer, Nick Bleeker, and, of course, the great people at leaguetees.com.au. Do check out their range. We'll catch you next time.